With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 11th of January. We're motoring through January, a third of the way there, which means we're about one-sixth of the way through the post-New Year's winter spell. You get to March and things start to look a little bit better. 
stuff starts growing again. Days get a bit longer. The roads aren't like sheets of ice. Might be a bit of sunshine. Probably a bit of sunshine wherever you live. There just isn't where I live. Because this is Ireland and this is this is rural Cavan where we have 365 lakes, if you didn't know. One for every day of the year. And what they do is they produce an immense amount of rain. Um, Not too bad today. Bit of rain, but she'll have that. Um, Anyway. We had the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup kicking off last night, which I completely forgot were taking place while doing yesterday's pod. Today's pod might be a quick abridged pod like yesterday's because uh, there's not really a whole lot going on. Everything's a little bit quiet at the moment, but we have two games to look back on. Manchester United 3, Charlton nil. Anthony scored on 21 minutes. Marcus Rashford scored on 90 and 94. To give the score, excuse me, the scoreline a slightly more favourable edge than United really deserved, it must be said. But they were comfortably the better team and they are through. Um, Statman Dave, famous for manipulating stats, tweeted out last night that Anthony is now United's second top scorer on the season with five goals, and not bad for a fella who just does spins, isn't it? Well, the music box ballerina, as I've taken to calling him, has scored against Arsenal. That was pretty good. Uh, against City, which would be pretty good, except for the fact that United got absolutely pumped in that game. He scored against relegation-threatened Everton in the league. He scored again against relegation-threatened Everton in the Cup. And he scored against League One Charlton in the EFL Cup, and if I'm not mistaken, Charlton are a fairly average League One team right now. They currently sit 12th in League One, so bang in the middle of the table. Um, Portsmouth have the same number of points and three games in hand. Uh, Fleetwood have a game in hand and only two points back. Same goes for Oxford, for Lincoln and for Shrewsbury. And if any, if, if all of them were to win, uh, Charlton would sit 16th in the league. Sorry, 17th in the league. So wouldn't be celebrating too heavily uh, this victory. But, you know, semi-finals of a cup. That's all you can really ask for in a manager's first season when he spent a lot of money. EFL Cup semi-finals. They're through. And the semi-finals are shaping up to be quite tasty based on who's going through. So tonight we get Nottingham Forest versus Wolves. Whoever wins that will be likely seen as the weakest team in the semi-finals. But you never know. You never know. Maybe they can pull off an upset and get themselves to a final. The other other quarterfinal tonight is Southampton against Manchester City. Now, we would expect Manchester City to win that game fairly comfortably. I would say they are pretty close to odds-on favourites to win this competition. This is a competition that Pep has prioritised over his time at City. Um, In fact, this would be the fifth time winning it if he can pull it off. He won it in 17, in 18, sorry, in 17, 18, in 18, 19, in 1920 and in 2021. So four in a row, lost it last season. Liverpool obviously winning the competition last season. Pep is going for his fifth League Cup and his fifth 
league title this season. And I'm sure he'd love to add a second FA Cup and do that domestic treble for the second time. Uh, Obviously, the big one for them will be the Champions League. But he'll still want to win this competition. And I think you would make them favourites if they go through. But Southampton won't be a pushover. I say that, they'll probably get beaten 5-0. I I expect City to win, though. Uh, So that would be United, Wolves, or Forest, and City. And the other team who are through are Newcastle, who were 2-0 winners over Leicester City last night. Uh, The Toon, very much the better team. Dominant first half, couldn't find a goal. But Dan Byrne scoring his first goal for the club on 60 minutes. And then Jolington making it two on 72. Leicester's defensive woes just prevalent again. Uh, The Toon went pretty much full strength. And Leicester, to be fair, were... Also pretty much at full strength. No James Madison, but he is injured. Looking at the players on the bench, you could probably argue that Vardy should start over Daka in a big game. But everybody else, Kagnos Yonchu should be in the team over Daniel Amarty. Because Amarty, A, isn't a centre-back, and B, isn't very good when he is asked to play at centre-back. Uh, but other than that, it is their first-choice eleven. Uh The tune, like I say, go for full strength and then have St. Maximum and uh, Alexander Isak to come off the bench. So, you know, not exactly taking a step back there either. Eddie Howe wants silverware. Eddie Howe is probably being told he needs to deliver silverware. Um, the two are having a very good season. Obviously disappointing to go out of the FA Cup, but into the semi-finals of this competition and going very well in the league, currently sitting in third place. How long that holds for, we'll wait and see. But they've certainly had a very good first half to this season. Um, So, yeah, United, Newcastle, City, Forest or Wolves. City or Southampton, Forest or Wolves. Shaping up to be pretty interesting semi-finals. Could we get an all-Manchester final? Will we get that in the semi-final over two legs? In terms of... TV revenue, they'd probably prefer that in the semi-final. Get two legs worth. I'd like to see City-Newcastle in the semi-final. I'd like to see two games of that because the game between them in the Premier League this season was one of the best games that we've had all year. City went ahead, looked in control, Newcastle got back in, then Newcastle just ran all over City. For half an hour, the City couldn't live with them. And then Kevin De Bruyne single-handedly dragged City back into the game. Haaland had a stinker but got a goal. And that's kind of been a, a, a pattern through the season. Haaland doesn't play well but gets a goal. So I'd like to see two games of City-Newcastle if City get through. And that would leave United with Wolves or Forest, which is a favourable draw for United, but you still you still wouldn't trust them. I mean, they're very much a one-man team right now. It is Marcus Rashford and 10 friends. He is the only thing they have going in attack right now. You know, you look at them last night and the way they line up. Marshy, uh, they play Alanga up front. United, to the credit, played a weakened team last night. 
Alanga up front, Anthony one wing, Garnacho the other, and Mano, who is a player I didn't know, Kobe Mano or Manu, uh, he looked he looked a player last night, I have to say. McTominay and Fred, a bit of McFred in midfield. Everybody hates to see it. Delo and Malashi at fullback. You could argue that's the best fullback combination, though. Luke Shaw has been in pretty good form um, after a really bad start to the season. Maguire and Martinez at centre-back. Even against Charlton, Maguire looked a little bit out of his depth. Uh, Tom Heaton starting in goal, but Rashford, Eriksen, Casemiro, Palestri and Wan-Bissaka all brought off the bench. Luke Shaw, Lindelof and David De Gea sitting there as well. United were prepared if things went wrong, to send on game changers. Um, as it was, they sent them on. Didn't necessarily need them, but they sent them on anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's where we sit with the EFL Cup. Those games tonight, Forest at home to Wolves is a quarter to eight kickoff. And Southampton versus Manchester City is an eight o'clock kickoff. I think I would watch the Forest-Wolves game. Because I think the other one will be one will be quite one sided. I do actually think it will be one sided. Now I'm not saying it'll be a heavy scoreline, but I think City will dominate most of the ball, and I just if Haaland plays, I just think he'll find he'll find joy that as talented as Southampton are. There's a lot of mistakes in that team. They don't look particularly well coached. Um, but look, maybe they go into the game on a high because they had that come from behind victory over Palace in the cup during the week. And maybe that sets them up for um for a good performance tonight. We'll just have to wait and see. They haven't looked looked particularly good in the league. Uh they haven't looked good at all in the league, it must be said. They lost to Forest, lost to Fulham, lost to Brighton. Lost to Liverpool. They haven't won a league game since beating Bournemouth on the 19th of October. Is that right? That's woeful. Let me see. Yeah. They beat Bournemouth on the 19th. So... They lost the first game. They drew, they lost. Sorry, they drew, they won. They lost, they won. Then they lost four in a row. They drew at West Ham. They beat Bournemouth and they drew at Arsenal. So they looked like they were turning things around. And then it all fell apart. Six defeats in a row. But they have been going well in the Cups and they've won three Cup games um, since this six-game losing streak in the league started. Beat Palace, beat Sheffield Wednesday, conquerors of Newcastle in the FA Cup. Uh, beat them on penalties, and beat Lincoln City. Uh, Manchester City will be a step up, obviously, from all of these teams. But, um, yeah, it doesn't look great for them. doesn't look great for them at all. In the Premier League, the bottom of the Premier League is fascinating at the moment. We'll move on from the EFL Cup to the bottom of the Premier League, where Southampton are bottom 12 points from 18 games. Goal difference of negative 18. Wolves are two points ahead of them, 14 points from 18 games. Goal difference is negative 16. I would suggest Wolves have more than enough talent and a good enough manager that they will climb themselves out of that bottom three. Then there's Everton, 
15 points from 18 games. Minus 10 is the goal difference. But they can't score goals. And they're really badly managed. Like, really, really badly managed. Frank doesn't really look like he has much of an idea what he's doing. It's like, he was bad at Chelsea, and he's significantly worse at Everton because he doesn't have the talent to bail him out. Go out there and run around and express yourself. Doesn't hit the same when it's Idrissagan again and not N'Golo Kante. When it's Anthony Gordon and not, you know, Kai Havertz or Christian uh, Christian Pulisic or Callum Hudson-Odoi. Then we get West Ham, also 15 points from 18 games. Goal difference minus nine. Same amount of goals conceded as West as, as Everton, rather, but one goal more scored, 15. So they're struggling as well. <coughs> Moyes, I think, is probably on one of the hottest seats in the Premier League right now. I don't imagine Daniel Kratinsky, who bought into the club and is seen as the favourite to buy the shares of the late David Gold. I don't imagine he is going to be one to suffer this type of underperformance. And it is massive underperformance. Like with Southampton, you would have said their approach in the last couple of years of buying predominantly young players does leave you at risk of this type of thing because you don't have enough experience. And the experienced players you do have aren't particularly good. Like of their players who are over, I think, 24, Kyle Walker-Peters is probably the only one I would want if I was managing a mid-table or above club. I think Ward-Prowse is a great free-kick taker, great corner taker, but in general play, he's a nothing player. Their talent is young talent. Basunu, Belakotchup, Salisu, Livermento, Larios, Lavia, Mara, Edozi. Very, very talented players, but in need of guidance and in need of senior players to set a steadying influence on the squad. And it doesn't have to be like lads who are 27, 28, 29. It could be fellas who are in their mid-20s, 23, 24, 25, 26. Could be that age group just to be a steadying influence. But there's nobody at the club other than Walker Peters who does that. So Southampton, you could predict this happening. Wolves are underperforming massively. Now, they've had some really bad luck with injuries. Um, they spent big money on a striker and he tore his ACL in his first game. You know, when that happens, things appear to be going against you. But they've changed manager. They've brought in a new striker in Matthias Cunha. They've got a very talented midfield. They've got a talented defence. I think their goal... Goals conceded tally doesn't necessarily reflect how strong they can be defensively. We saw Jose Sal last season be one of the better keepers in the league. He's come back to earth a little bit this season. He's you know, more around his actual level this season. But he's still a decent shot stopper. Everton, this could be predicted because, well, they were awful last year. And Lampard is the worst manager in the league. Maybe Gary O'Neill... And maybe Nathan Jones threatened that. But Nathan Jones did a good job at Luton. You get to see Frank do anything impressive. 
Uh, maybe it's Gary O'Neill who's the worst manager in the league, but I mean, it's going to be a tough battle to be worse than Frank. Everton don't have enough talent. They've, they have more than enough talent to not be where they are. They don't have the talent to be what they want to be, which is a team challenging for Europe. And for some reason, their fans are, are almost accepting of this level of, of dross. Not all of them. And maybe not even most of them. But there's definitely, when I when I look at Everton, when I see Everton fans on social media, when I interact with them, you get this feeling that they've just sort of, they've just accepted that this is what their club is right now. And that's not good. That's not good at all. It used to drive me mental when Liverpool fans would accept mediocrity. These are accepting uh, being flat out shit. And that's what they are. Swearing is necessary. They are shit. So, you know, I mean, you could have seen this. You couldn't have seen West Ham be this bad. They finished in the European spots two years in a row and in the summer went out and spent big to upgrade their talent, recruited very well, and Moyes has made an absolute hames of things. Above them by one point is Bournemouth, whose arrow is pointing very much down. Bournemouth have the worst defence in the league, 39 goals conceded. Uh, Admittedly, nine of them were to Liverpool, but uh, they've lost 10 games now, which obviously isn't ideal. They're they're very much spiralling. And given it is largely a squad of championship players, they were kind of an easy relegation prediction before the season. Forest have spent most of the season in the bottom three, but now they've got 17 points. They seem to be slowly but surely turning the ship around. Dropping Steve Cook was a big factor in that. They are once again looking to splash cash in January, uh, heavily linked to Daniil from Palmeiras, who is excellent. They're being linked to Arnaut Danjuma, of Villarreal, I would be surprised if he was open to such a move. But, I mean, he is a very good player. Some of the summer signings just haven't worked. Emmanuel Dennis, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked at all. Loic Bade hasn't worked at all. These are good players, but for whatever reason, Steve Cooper hasn't taken to them. Some of them have, though, and Morgan Gibbs-White deserves to be highlighted because there was a lot of mockery about the fee. Because there was a lot of add-ons on the fee. So Forrest paid, I think, 25 million and 17 million in add-ons. Now, I'm sure a big chunk of those add-ons are staying in the Premier League this season and next season, and if he plays for England and whatever else. He has been excellent. Throughout this campaign, he has been excellent. And they were hoping Brennan Johnson would carry his form from the Championship into the Premier League. Because Johnson had a great season last year, but he has struggled this year. And much of the creative burden has fallen on Gibbs-White. And he has been very creative. And if Johnson and Awani and Emmanuel Dennis and the few times he's played and Jesse Lingard had taken their chances, I think it's fair to suggest Gibbs-White would be close to 10 assists now by the midway point of the season. He scored a couple of big goals for them. He's working his socks off every single game. I think Morgan Gibbs-White, regardless of what happens with Forrest, 
is set for bigger and better things. If they go down, he's not going with them. He is far too good to play in the championship. He is an established Premier League midfielder now. And it's a shame that Wolves sold him because I really wanted to see what a midfield of him, Neves and Nunes would have looked like. But maybe they had to sell him to fund the Nunes deal, which makes the suggestion that they've already got a deal to sell him to Liverpool in the summer all that bit more strange. All that bit more strange. Um, level and points with Forrest. We have Leeds and Leicester. Leeds have a game in hand on the other two. They have a game in hand on everybody else in the bottom eight. If they win that game in hand, they go to 20 points, which is two points behind Forrest and Villa. And would put them more in their neighbourhood than the remaining bottom seven. But we've got eight teams separated by five points. Inclusive of Leeds right now. I'm not... Leeds game in hand, is it against Manchester United? Am I right in thinking that? Liverpool's is against Chelsea. Arsenal's is against City. Brighton's is against Palace. And Leeds is against Manchester United. Those are the games we have outstanding. So that's their game in hand. Given current league positions, you would suggest United will win that game. So let's just say Leeds 17 points from 18 games. That puts them in this mix. I think it was predictable that they would be in the relegation mix because that's where they've been, you know, for the last 12 months. Last season, they looked like they were heading down under Bielsa, they made the decision to bring in Jesse Marsh. He kept them up in fair play. They haven't been as consistent as he would have liked, but it's very clear he's getting he's getting through to them. The message is hitting their ears. And it's just about them putting that message into their brains and memorizing what he's telling them and, and understanding what he wants from them. They're showing real ambition in this window. They brought in Wober or Wober. They're looking at Ruther, who's a very, very talented player. If they get those two, I think Leeds are going to be okay. Leicester, there's no excuse for them being where they are. They have been a shambles this season. And them and West Ham having 11 defeats each is completely unacceptable. Completely unacceptable for the talent level both of those clubs have. Uh, Only Saints have lost more games than them. They've lost 12 now. But it's unacceptable for Leicester. It's unacceptable for West Ham to be where they are. The rest, Leeds, fair enough. Forest, first season back in the division. Bournemouth, newly promoted and heavily championship smelling. West Ham, no excuse at all. Everton, it was predictable. I think Wolves... I think they've massively underperformed. And I would say I would put them in the same boat as West Ham and Leicester. The difference is they sacked Bruno Lange. Now it got worse after Lange left, in my view. I think they were a significantly worse team on the pitch, especially defensively. But those three, Leicester, West Ham and and Wolves, I think it's unacceptable for them to be where they are. Saints, Everton, Bournemouth, Forest and Leeds, I, I can accept it. I can accept it. Um, Leeds have spent an awful lot of money over the last few years, and, and they would probably be very annoyed by where they are. But 
that's just the reality of the league. You're not an established Premier League team. You've only had two seasons back after many, many seasons in the lower leagues. And you've still got a lot of championship level players who are getting exposed because teams know they're not very good and they will target them. But I genuinely think, I think Bournemouth are going. I think they're they're the most terminal case of these eight teams. And genuinely, any other than West Ham, I think any of the rest could go. Now, I believe Wolves will stay up. I believe Leeds, Leicester and West Ham will stay up. I think West Ham will turn it around. There's, I think there's just too much talent there. I just, I think they have to get rid of Moyes. Who they go for, I don't know. I wonder would Thomas Tuchel take that job? Because if he would, I guarantee he'd keep them up and, and rampage them into, into mid-table at least. I think you give that that squad to a manager like Tuchel, I think he does some pretty impressive th- th- uh, things. I don't know who else there would be for them. Potch is, is a name that's been mentioned, but I don't know. He's a funny one. Like He seems to have real notions about himself, even though he never won anything at Spurs. He did build a good team, but he didn't win anything. Um... I mean, look, if you winning the league with Paris Saint-Germain is like getting a free toy with your Happy Meal. Sounds great if you actually think about it. If you don't win the league with Paris Saint-Germain, they sack you. And even when you do win the league, they sack you. Um, I don't think Poch would take that job. But Tuchel, I think, would. There's also a, a kind of a historic rivalry between Tottenham and West Ham that I don't think Pochettino would cross. He's still, I think, very fond of Spurs. I think he would take the Spurs job tomorrow if it was offered. I think a lot of Spurs fans would love to have him back. I think the timing was right for the separation, but, you know, if he's he's now had a six-month break and if he's feeling refreshed after his experiences in, in Paris... Rafa Benitez has been linked. I the, the shine has gone off Rafa in a lot of ways because of what happened at Everton. But he's certainly a good manager. He'd certainly keep them up. Um, Right now, I feel like Southampton, Bournemouth and Everton are the three. And I don't think Everton are the one most likely to get out of that. I think Saints are. But if Everton was to change manager tomorrow, then I think their outlook changes drastically. Because you can't get worse than Frank. But the longer they keep Frank, the more likely they are to sink like a stone. I mean, they are shocking. They're awful to watch as well. Everton are by far the worst team in the league to watch. Every other team, literally every other team, are interesting, at the very least, interesting to watch. Maybe not good to watch, but interesting. Like, Southampton are interesting to watch because there's a bunch of really talented young players there. Wolves are interesting to watch because Neves is a joy to behold. Nunes is really good. And when they get the likes of Pedro Neto back, he's great fun to watch. Same at West Ham. Loads of fun players. Paqueta's fun. Skimaka's fun. If, you know, if Jared Bone is your bag, you might find him fun. 
Max Cornet is fun. Fornals, Ben Rama, these are fun players. And they're, they've got good defensive players. They should be able to play a decent brand of football while still being strong at the back. Everton's problem is they don't have good defensive players. So, or, or at least Frank doesn't think they do. So they're overloading defensively. He's playing a flat back five, not, not a three. This is a flat back five with Patterson and Michael Enko tucked back in as fullbacks and three lads crammed into the middle, playing three holding midfielders in front. They're awful to watch. Genuinely dreadful. Like Forrest, they're fun because of Gibbs White. And they're fun because they might get walloped at any point. Bournemouth's the same. There's some fun players in the team, but they might also just get walloped. But they have a mentality where they're going to go and play football. They're not going to park a bus. Jesse Marsh's teams are just incapable of being boring. Rogers can't coach a defence, so his teams tend to be more attack-minded. And when you've got Madison and Barnes, you're going to be fun to watch. Who's fun with Everton? Like, Calvert-Lewin's probably the best player at the club, but he's a target man number nine who's not great with the ball at his feet. Onana is a bit of fun, but he's a 20-year-old box-to-box midfielder that Frank thinks is a number 10, despite the fact he's 6'4", and was nominally a defensive midfielder before you bought him. He is he is a box-to-box midfielder by nature, but he was playing largely as a holding midfielder before the Everton uh, transfer. Like, w- Palace are loads of fun to watch. They've got really exciting players. Villa have talent, and Bubakar Kamara is fun to watch because he's really good at what he does. Unai Emery football is never exciting, but Villa are at least interesting. Chelsea are kind of fun to watch because it's a bit of a train wreck, but Potter plays at least an an attractive brand of football. It's not necessarily an effective brand, but it's an attractive brand. Um, Brentford are fun to watch. Brighton are fun to watch. Fulham are fun to watch. Liverpool are not fun to watch, but at least Liverpool are... Well, I was going to say they're good, but not this season, but they've got really good players. Um, United are fun on a counter-attack. The, the general football isn't great, but they are fun on a counter-attack. Spurs, yeah, they're a bit dull, but they're, they've at least got great players. Kane, Son, you know, Romero. Uh, Newcastle are fun to watch. City of great players, and De Bruyne is a joy to watch. And Arsenal are a decent watch. You know, they play some nice football. There's, I like the movement in the front line. Everton are literally the only team in the league with the temerity to be both shit and horrible to watch. If you're going to be horrible to watch, you've got to be mid-table at least. You've got to be, you've got to have something about you. You've got to be getting results. If you're going to be awful to watch, at least get results. You've won three games this season. He's got a worse record at Villa at Everton than Gerard did at Villa. And he's still in the job. Who's their top scorer this season? It has to be Demari Gray. Anthony Gordon. Three goals this season. Demari Gray also has three goals. Dwight McNeil has two. They scored 13 goals, not just in the league, across all competitions. 
Alex Awobi is their player of the season. That's where they are. Alex Awobi is their player of the season. And for all the talk of their good defence, they've kept four clean sheets all year. Begovic has one in the league and one in the cup, and Pickford has two in the league. Their clean sheets were against Liverpool in the league. Liverpool are crap. Against Fulham in the league. And against Crystal Palace. And against Fleetwood Town. Four clean sheets. Then he won two of those games. They beat Palace and they beat Fleetwood. They've won four games all season in all competitions. Three in the league, one in the uh, League Cup. They've been pummeled twice by Bournemouth, once by Brighton. They're just horrible to watch. And maybe going down is what they need. Because maybe it chases the scoundrels and the people that have caused the demise of Everton Football Club. Maybe it chases them out the door. But that bottom eight, that's going to get real tasty. There's a five-point gap between them and Palace. Five points at this point of the season. That's going to grow. Now, one or two of them, like I say, will claw the way out. I think West Ham and probably Leicester are the two I would back to get above the likes of Palace and Villa. I think Wolves will get themselves out of it. I think it comes down to... I think it comes down to Bournemouth... Southampton, Everton, Forest, and Leeds. I think it's three from that five. And Forest and Leeds are the teams I'd back to stay up right now. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll run through some news. We'll hit the gossip and we'll be out. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, the spoofer with the catchphrase has been caught spoofing once again. And I'm here to report on his spoofing. Because that's what I do. I've I've appointed myself the spoofer catcher. For those that don't know, Eamon Dunphy is my spirit animal. Eamon Dunphy refers people as the spoofers, the Muppets and the Clowns. Similar to myself. I am none of those things. I just refer to people as those things. Eamon <laughs> Duffy was once on uh, a live RT broadcast and referred to somebody as a spoofer. And when asked what he meant by that, he said, well, he's a bullshitter. And Fabrizio Romano is a bullshitter. This guy has made his career on on telling lies and charging people to listen to his lies. So, as we know, Chelsea have agreed a deal 
with Atletico Madrid to bring Joe Felix in on loan. It's a five-month loan till the end of the season. They're paying an eleven million pound loan fee. They're paying his entire wages for the six months that they have him. And look, it's not a it's not an illogical move by Chelsea. And I've seen some people say, "Oh, they don't even have a buy option." They're buying in Kunku in the summer. That deal is done. They don't need to buy Joe Felix. What they need to do is start working a shape that is ready to just take in Nkunku and maximize his strengths. And Nkunku and Joe Felix are quite similar players. So you start to build this team between now and the end of the season, figure out what you will need in the summer with Joe doing what you envision Nkunku doing. And then you know what you need to target in the summer. But the spoofer, only 30 minutes, 30 minutes before David Ornstein broke the news that Chelsea had agreed this fee, the spoofer was charging Mark Goldbridge 500 quid to appear on his live stream where he said that it was still possible that Manchester United were going to sign him that United and Arsenal were still in the mix. He never mentioned Chelsea. Didn't mention them once for Joe Felix. He talked about United and he talked about Arsenal. He talked about how George Mendes had met with Atletico. He'd flown to Madrid and he talked to them and he'd asked them to lower the... Spoofing. And next thing we get the news that Ornstein... Breaks the story, Jeff Felix goes to Chelsea. And Romano, of course, because this is what he does, starts tweeting out as if he knew what was going on all along, adding little anecdotal bits that are completely unverifiable and most likely just figments of his own ima- imagination, like that story about George Mendes uh, flying to Madrid, especially considering George Mendes is currently in Saudi Arabia. But that's neither here nor there. Um and the reason I know that is because I saw a picture of him in Saudi Arabia with Chris Chano. So, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, just wonderful to see the spoofer getting caught. Uh, on Chelsea, though, very quickly, uh, things don't look very healthy there. The fans are now singing for Thomas Tuchel, which isn't a good sign for Graham Potter. Thiago Silva's wife put up something on Instagram Basically saying not all change in sport is for the best. Never too late to go back to what worked months before. Which is either suggesting a back three or, you know, bring back Thomas Tuchel. Um, it, it's been reported. I can't say it's been reported reliably, but it's been reported that Potter has fallen out with Aubameyang. And that Aubameyang has been told, you can go. Which, I actually don't think he can go in this window. Because I'm not mistaken, didn't he play for Barcelona this season? So he's played for Barca and Chelsea. So he can't play for the club till next season. I think I'm right in saying that. Let's have a quick look. Uh, Yes, he played one game for Barcelona this year. Which means Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang can, of course, leave Chelsea, but can't play for anybody else until the summer. 
So he's kind of stuck there. And if he's fallen out, he has a track record of causing trouble behind the scenes when he's not happy. He did it at Arsenal. There was some talk at Dortmund towards the end when he was looking to force a move. So the last thing Potter needs is problems in the dressing room. It already looks like Thiago Silva might not be all that happy with him, and he's quite a quite an old head, obviously, at this point, and you know, an influential person in that dressing room. You'd imagine at, at thirty-eight, I'd say a lot of younger players look up to him. So if he's not in love with the manager, what are the rest of them looking at and thinking as well? Um, it it doesn't appear like Potter's getting full full buy in from some of these players. Maybe Graham Potter isn't long for that job. And if that happens, I mean Todd Bowley, like Todd Bowley, including the money spent for Nkunku, which is guaranteed now. So you'd imagine that money money's been put in an escrow account. Uh, Todd Bowley has spent four hundred million on players at Chelsea, and then when we factor in the payoff to Thomas Tuchel was around eighteen million. Uh, they nicked multiple members of the Brighton recruitment staff and had to pay for them, uh, largely so Brighton didn't report them. Probably another two million there, and he spent. 20 plus million to buy Potter and his staff out of their Brighton deals. So you're looking at about 440 million of spend thus far. And if he has to pay off Potter on what I believe is a six year deal, five year deal, a five year deal. And if Graham Potter is clever, and I do think Graham Potter is clever, he got that deal guaranteed. He got a deal that says, you sack me, you pay me every penny you owe me. Because that's what managers have been doing at Chelsea since Mourinho got sacked the first time around. Because when Jose got sacked out of a long-term contract and didn't get a guarantee, so he was only paid. So basically, there's two ways managers' contracts work. You either get paid until you take your next job. And then if your next job is for less money, they pay you out the difference. So let's say you had three years left on your deal and you're earning two million a year. And you get sacked with those three years left. And you don't take a job for a year. That first year, they'll pay you two million. Then let's say you take on a new job and a two-year contract for $1.5 million a year. They make up the difference. They give you half a million for each year. That's how a normal contract works. But with certain clubs and certain managers, mostly the big-name managers, but mostly also managers that go to clubs like Chelsea who sack managers willy-nilly, managers have now started insisting on guaranteed contracts. Moyes got one from United. So United paid Moyes his entire contract after sacking him after six months. Pardew got one from Newcastle, but that was their fault. They thought they were doing something big and clever when they gave him that ridiculous contract. And they ended up paying him for years. United at one point were paying Moyes, Van Hal, 
Mourinho and Oli, I think, as managers, which is very united. Um, it might have been that Van Hal's money was just spread over a longer term, but they were definitely paying him for years after he left. Um, but with Chelsea, since the first one to do it was Carlo, he got his contract guaranteed because he's Carlo. But when Vias Boas went there, Mourinho told him, make sure your contract is guaranteed. So when they sacked him after six months, they paid him out like 40 million or something. Because that's because Roman didn't care, but Bowley will care. And if that's a five-year deal, you'd imagine he's on five to seven million a year, something in that range. So if they sack him now, less than a year in, they're going to owe him somewhere between 20 and 30 million. Add that to the 440 he's already spent. Like, their accounts, when they come out, are going to be hilarious. Even if they keep Potter, and they should keep Potter, they should give him an opportunity. Let's see what he can actually do. But their accounts are going to be hilarious. They're going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, Things are not good at Chelsea right now. But I do quite like the idea of Joe Felix. I want to see him in the Premier League. He doesn't solve, solve Chelsea's problem of being unable to score goals, but he's a fun player and I think he'll do well uh, in the league. And it it might lead to a future move to a Premier League club. Now, the likelihood is that Letty bring him back because they've extended his deal for a year and that they start to build around him because it looks like Simeone will go. But uh, I'm, I'm quite excited to see how he does in the Premier League. Um, a record crowd attended Romeo Beckham's Brentford B debut. So there you go, you have that. The French Football Federation's chief has been urged to step down over his comments over Zinedine Zidane, uh, which upset a lot of people, including Kylian Mbappe, who's probably the most important person with regards to the French national team right now. Gigi Buffon, who will turn 45 quite soon, put in an absolutely outstanding performance for Parma against Inter in the Coppa Italia last night. Uh, Gigi has been doing this now for 27 years and is still good. He's he's a remarkable human being. He's the best goalkeeper of all time and I don't want to hear any... Peter Crouch tried to say it was P- Peter Schmeichel. Schmeichel was a great keeper, but Buffon, Neuer... Alison Becker, Petr Cech, there's been better goalkeepers. Cristiano Ronaldo's deal with Al Nazir does not include any language regarding his support for a World Cup bid in 2030. That is, of course, largely down to the fact that the other main bid is coming from Portugal and Spain with Ukraine, which is kind of just trying to get, get the sympathy factor. Saudi Arabia uh, allegedly looking to join in with Greece and Egypt to host the World Cup. Great news that Sebastian Haller is back, having been diagnosed with testicular cancer in the summer and then having a bit of a relapse. He played in a friendly and looked looked pretty good. Um. This is a deal that should have been solved years ago. But uh, 
Emiliano Sala, obviously the player who tragically died in that plane crash while traveling from France to the UK. Um, Cardiff have finally paid the first installment of the transfer fee. Uh, it has been four years, four years since he passed away. Uh, they paid around seven million, and the Football League have now lifted Cardiff's transfer embargo, and FIFA will now likely do the same, so they'll be able to sign uh, international players. Um, uh, Cardiff lost their appeals and then refused to pay. They they've absolutely put a stain on themselves that, for me, is never really going to shift. Uh, that's just dreadful what what they've done um they bought the player they agreed the terms they were the ones that arranged that airplane not nonce so uh i'm glad they finally copped themselves on and are now doing the right thing and i hope that they followed through on what they said they would do paying out the player's contract to his family because he had signed that contract and that family was left devastated and obviously his father passed away then not long after. Uh, let's do the gossip and get out of here for today. Real Madrid want to sign England striker Harry Kane for next season. His contract runs till 2024 and he would cost in the region of £100 million. Poland have approached Steven Gerrard about becoming the next manager. That would be odd. Arsenal are considering making a move for Eden Hazard. I will bet every penny I have, my house, my cars, everything I own, that that is not true. That is not true. There's no chance that's true. Chelsea have joined Tottenham and wanted to sign Pedro Porro this summer because Todd Bowley hired all these scouts and doesn't let them do any work and just copies what everybody else is doing. Besiktas have agreed to accept £2.7 million from Manchester United to, to allow Wout Weghorst to end his loan from Burnley early and move to Old Trafford until the end of the season. However... The Turkish side want to have a replacement lined up before allowing the move to go through. Maurizio Pochettino would be interested in the Chelsea job if they sack Graham Potter. If there's any sense, he wouldn't be. Wolves are preparing an improved £8 million offer for Mario Lamina, now of Nice, after their initial bid was turned down. Lamina is like a curate's egg of a footballer. He was garbage for Southampton, but he had a really good loan spell with Fulham. Like a really good loan spell. Uh, he's been really good for Nice. I, I'd be interested to see him back in the Premier League. Wolves have held, held talks with Bristol City over a deal for Alex Scott, but are reluctant to meet the £25 million price tag. That is an outrageous price tag. That is outrageous. He's a very talented player, but that price tag is, is disgusting. West Ham are considering West Brom boss Carlos Corberon as a potential replacement for David Moyes at the end of the season. They need a replacement now. Not at the end of the season. And after his disastrous showing um, at, well, I don't know if you call, yeah, no, it was a disaster. Olympiacos was a disaster for him. Um, it was a mess. 11 games, two wins, six draws, three defeat, defeats. A disaster for, for Olympiacos' level. He did okay at Huddersfield. Okay. And he's done really well since joining West Brom. And if he's any cop on, he'll stay there. Uh, Leicester have approached Fiorentina over a deal for Nico Gonzalez. Um, He's a really good player. I do like him. But yeah, I could see him fitting there off the right. 
left-footed cutting in. Yeah, fair enough. Southampton are keen to appoint Manchester City Academy boss Jason Wilcox as their new director of football. Um, I wonder, are they aware they're allowed to hire people from other clubs? They brought in Joel Shields and then he bumped off. This would be a strange move. Um, Given he has no experience as a director of football, this would be a, a poor move. Everton are in negotiations with Villarreal over a loan from a loan for Arnott and Juma. Nottingham Forest are also interested. If there is choices, go to Forest. Atletico Madrid are looking at Memphis Depay as one of a, several players they have eyes on as a replacement for Joe Felix. Uh, Newcastle have made an approach for Yusofa Makoko. Makes sense. Uh, Marseille and France midfielder Matteo Gunduzi is an is subject of an offer from an unnamed Premier League club. Uh, we can name that club. It is Aston Villa. Dutch midfielder Tan Koopminer says it is nice to see himself being linked with Liverpool, but he's 100% focused on Atalanta and so happy to play for them. Enjoy it, son, and stay there because you're just not it. Wolves have renewed their interest in Craig Dawson. God, that would be awful. Bournemouth are in talks to sign 20-year-old Burkina Faso winger Dango Uatra from French side Laurent. He's very talented. Laurent have a very talented squad, but it sort of feels like they might be about to get picked apart because there's a lot of talk about Enzo Lafie and there being considerable interest on in him. Uh, we've also seen Terra Moffi linked with Southampton and now this kid as well. Uh, they're having a really good season. I would imagine they want to keep this group together as much as they possibly can and hopefully carry on with their with their good season. They're sixth right now, but they are only three points off the top four. Um, they've had a, a downturn since mid-October. Pre-October, they were unbelievable. And they won, of the first 10 games, they won eight of them, uh, one defeat, one draw, and they sat second in the league in the seven games since they've only won one and that followed a six game spell without a, without a win they drew three and lost three uh, but beat Angers who are bottom I think in their last game and hopefully they'll get things turned around they did have a good win uh, over a lower league team in the French Cup a 6-0 victory there um, but yeah they, they should hopefully keep as many of those players together as possible but in all likelihood, I think they lose one of those attackers, either Mafi or Uatra. Uatara, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess they, they might lose one of them. I don't think they'll lose both of them in this window. All right, that's me. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thanks to Guy for producing. We got to run. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.